Rinkwide Vancouver. A wild night at Rogers Arena. It was billed as the Hughes Bowl, and certainly the three Hughes brothers that shared the ice for the first time in their National Hockey League careers. They figured prominently in this one, but Jack and Luke get the last laugh as the Devils get a late goal and win it by a score of 6-5. to five. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. It's brought to you by Betway. Jeff Patterson along with Irfan Gaffar. And boy, do we have a lot to get into. It was a wild night of hockey here in Vancouver. Devils jumped out to a big first period lead. Canucks chipped away in the third. They tie it up at five. And you're thinking, boy, three on three overtime with all of this talent and all of this skill. But Jesper Bratt, who opened the scoring three and a half minutes into the hockey game, puts the dagger into the Vancouver Canucks. They give up six for the first time this season. And it's hard to win at this level of when you're giving up six goals and playing defense the way the Canucks did for most of the night. Well, you and I were laughing about it before the game ended, saying that, oh man, overtime could be fun with everyone <laughs> that was involved. But obviously, it didn't get there. I mean, the Canucks, you know, they kind of shot themselves in the foot in the first period. I thought the Devils came out flying. Uh, obviously, Travis Green coming back to Rogers Arena. It was the money on the board, Green revenge <laughs> game or whatever. And it looked like that early on. The Canucks really didn't have their juice. And then you mentioned, you know, Keep chipping away. You know, your big guys are there. Your Bessers, your JT Millers, your Elias Pettersons. Um, And then eventually, in the end, it's Quinn Hughes. You know, after watching his brothers put on a show, he's like, okay, well, it's time for me to, you know, help my team during this game. And, you know, eventually uh, the Canucks, in the end, weren't able to get it done. But there were definitely some positives that you can take away from this game for them. Sure, no quit in the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. And we know that this team can score goals as of the way that the top-end guys are going. And Brock Besser has a three-point night. JT Miller, two more points to move into solo second. JT Miller, solo second in National Hockey League scoring. Elias Pettersson with a couple of points. Quinn Hughes, a little late to the party after his uh, brothers got things going. And maybe that fired him up. But uh, you knew he would be heard from as well. But really, for me, the takeaway here is a tough night for Thatcher Demko. Anytime you've got Thatcher Demko between the pipes, if you're the Vancouver Canucks, you want to think you've got an edge in goal, or certainly uh, he's going to hold his own. I know that there were breakdowns in front of him. This was not a great night defensively, but he has proven that he's one of the elite goaltenders in the National Hockey League this season, and he's been terrific on so many nights but he's the last line of defense and they needed a save somewhere in that first period as this game kind of slipped away from the Vancouver Canucks. Now he made some saves in the third and that allowed the Canucks ultimately to close the gap and tie the game at five. But I know Thatcher Demko won't be happy with himself. I wondered when it got to four to one and then again at five to two, was the hook coming out? Would we see Casey DeSmith? Rick Tockett stays with his number one guy. And I wonder if part of that is I think Thursday against Minnesota is earmarked as a Casey DeSmith start regardless. I think it was always going to be that way. And so maybe they just decided to, you know, thinking if you are going to have a comeback in this game, it's going to be on the back of Thatcher Demko coming up with some stops. And again, he did in the third period. You look at that first period, the Jesper Rat goal that opens the scoring. Again, I'm not blaming Thatcher Demko on this one because there were breakdowns. Philip Heronik, bad pinch there. It's essentially a two-on-one. And Jesper Bratt. Through the wickets, five-hole goal. That gets Jersey the start that you talked about. They're into it. They're on the board at three and a half minutes of the hockey game. Now, the Canucks tie it, make it a one-all game. JT Miller on the doorstep, bangs home a, a loose puck there for his 14th of the year. And you thought, okay, even ground, hit reset. Who knew? I mean, maybe the eight, you know two goals in the first eight minutes was a an indication that this was the way the night was going to go. But then the breakdowns continued for the Vancouver Canucks. Tyler Myers gets fooled by Jack Hughes. <laughs> I'm not sure I've ever really seen that play where a guy basically goads a defenseman going back for a puck into turn. You hate to say it, but it's like Jack Hughes knew that Tyler Myers was going to put the puck right on his stick. And of course, Nikita Zadorov comes over, floods the one side, and leaves Hollow wide open in front of the net. So not a great defensive play there. There was Teddy Bluger on the draw, letting Jack Hughes get it. First of all, you lose the faceoff cleanly, and then you let Jack Hughes waltz right past you to the front of the net. So again... We're starting to see this a little bit more with the Vancouver Canucks on a nightly basis. Vegas exposed them defensively in here last week, and here the New Jersey Devils trying to find footing after a bit of a rough start to the season. They lost San Jose in their last game, and you knew that they would want to bounce back, but they kind of picked the Canucks apart in that first period, and that, I think, is the troubling part for me right now is... We're starting to see more and more miscues wind up in the back of the net. And that was a problem for a lot of last season and even the season before that, Jeff, as you looked at this team defensively and you said, okay, 
They've got some shiny new toys this year yeah. on defense, and they've got a goalie who's supposed to be a Vezina candidate. And, right, you know, he has played like that for the better part of last season and a little bit of this season as well. But, man, on that Jack Hughes play, it's like Jack Hughes knew that Myers was going to throw the hit, and he just stopped and was like, all right, yeah. I'm just going to watch this guy <laughs> pass me the puck to try and hit me, and I'm going to go and score a goal. That was one. I mean, that's just hockey IQ brilliance for Jack Hughes. He can do that to a lot of NHL defensemen. And then on the other one, kind of Zadorov as well, just leaving Pratt completely wide open. And I mean, look, Thatcher Demko, he's probably awarded himself some bad nights. He's allowed. Yep. But if you ask any goaltender, he's going to say, oh, how many goals do you want to have back? All of them. The first one wasn't good. I didn't like it. I, I thought that, you know, through the wickets there was a little tough. I mean, maybe it was quick off the stick and, and he didn't read it properly. But if you score five goals in a hockey game, chances are you should win the hockey game. At the very least, yeah. you should get something out of yeah. it. Get it to overtime. And so the Canucks had to be feeling good about themselves. There was some buzz in the building when they, you know, mount this comeback, Besser and Lafferty. And ultimately, it's Hoaglander with the tying goal, three and a half minutes to play. And you think it is headed for overtime. And then the ultimate letdown, it was Jesper Bratt uh, on the rebound. Canucks, again, guilty of unable to clear the puck out of the zone. And uh, there's Bratt sort of behind the defenders, all alone, second of the night, 10th of the season, and that one turns out to be the game winner with just 34 seconds to go. Although, with 34 seconds left and the way the Canucks had been scoring in that third period, I, I hadn't ruled out overtime entirely, but didn't like their chances. Uh, obviously, a deflating goal to give up if you're the Vancouver Canucks, who have now alternated wins and losses over their last nine I hockey games. So it's a, a step forward, a step back. Again, they had put so many points in their back pocket with that 12-3-1 start that, you know, a stretch of nine games where you're 4-5, and five, that's not going to do you in. Calgary loses tonight. Seattle lost, and Seattle is struggling. Edmonton hasn't played in a week, so the Oilers haven't had a chance to, to make up any ground. So, you know, in that sense, it's not a huge deal. But at some point, the Canucks want to be able to harness that momentum and get it moving back in the right direction, and they're coming off a good win in Calgary the other night. Hmm. You know, sagged a little at the end, but we're able to pull out two points on the road. And then you come back home and now you've lost to Vegas. You have lost here to the New Jersey Devils. You've got a Minnesota team coming in that made a coaching change. And that seems to have sparked something. The Wild have won four straight, including a victory on the same night in Calgary. So, you know, that Minnesota game a couple of weeks ago, you thought maybe you're getting a team in some turmoil there. But it's hardly the case now. And the Canucks will have a day to collect themselves and get ready for the Wild. But this one's going to sting. I don't think there's any doubt about that, as you said. I mean, you get five on home ice, you'd like to think that you add something yeah. in the point column. Well, I think another thing, Jeff, is when you when you look at this team, it, it, in the beginning of the season, you know, things were great. They got off to <laughs> one of the best starts in franchise history. You know, everything was going well. The puck was going in the net a lot of the time. And as you just mentioned... Where is it going wrong where they can't put two wins together? I know it's early and there's still a lot of hockey left to be played, but you go back to it and you go, okay, well, it's not the offensive guys. They scored five goals. You can't really pin the goalie because he's bailed you out of a lot. It's the defense. Yep. And among the big shiny new toys they got in the offseason, they also just did acquire another big shiny new toy in, in Nikita Zadorov. And yes, okay, it's been a couple of games and, and you know, he's probably going to find his footing and then steps and maybe doesn't have the chemistry with Tyler Myers yet, but... Boy, oh boy, like defensively, I just don't know what where this team can go from there. I mean, it's it's just the inconsistencies. It's the blown coverages. It's the letting guys walk to the front of the net. You have two defensemen that are 15 feet tall combined or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. They're just having these guys walk right in front of Thatcher Demko and get backdoor tap-in goals. I mean, that's something that has to be concerning, and you know that Rick Talk and his staff's going to be ticked off about that. Yeah, and I think, you know, we're still all evaluating Nikita Zadorov yeah. as a Canuck uh, win in his debut against his old team, and then uh, on the wrong side here, his first home game. We did see what he's capable of. Absolutely wallpapered Curtis Lazar, the former Canuck in the first period, and that drew a huge reaction from the fan base because that is one of the things that attracted the Canucks to this player. You know, you look at the defense core, and you've got Tyler Myers, and obviously he's rangy at his size, and Ian Cole can be physical, but not punishing necessarily, and then Hughes and Heronic. Nikita Zadorov is a, a different breed. I mean, part of what attracts teams to him is he's got that size and he likes to use it. And so when he stepped up on Lazar, I thought, all right, that's what the Canucks want is just to seal the boards, take away daylight. And he absolutely crunched Lazar. One of four hits on the night officially for Nikita Zadorov. When you look at his numbers, played 17.08, and that's probably in the range that he's looking at. He was in the 17-minute range the other night in Calgary, so that's uh, two games where that's kind of in his ice time. I guess it can fluctuate depending on special teams. Uh, there wasn't a lot of penalty killing for the Canucks in this game, just two penalties, and the Devils scored on one of them. And 
that's becoming more of an issue as well as a penalty kill. Even on a night when the Canucks are pretty disciplined and don't take yeah. a lot of penalties, still have trouble getting through the whole clean sheet when it comes to being shorthanded. So uh, Devils went one for two on the power play. Canucks went one for four on the night. So the special team's really a push in that regard. Defensive breakdowns, a few more of those uh, cross-seam passes that just killed the Canucks so often last year were better about those in the first 15 games of the season, but we're starting to see a few more of those. And uh, yeah, it just seems to miss assignments. And, and the other part, I think, too, is, you know, compounding mistakes. Like Tyler Myers turns that puck over to Jack Hughes. All right, that's not great. But if somebody's covering the front of the net, you're there yeah. to mop up the mistake. And I think that's something we're seeing more and more here Earth, in the last week or two is just, you know, one mistake leads to another. And at this level, you know, two mistakes on the same play pretty good chance that's going to wind up in your net. Oh, 100%. And I, I mean, obviously we saw it tonight. And I think the other thing with the Vancouver Canucks and this team is their forward group is okay with getting into a track meet with other teams. It's the defensive group that isn't. I mean, on the on the best of nights, the Canucks can go back and forth with any team in the NHL offensively. I, I think that that has definitely been shown, uh, you know, for this season and the way that they were able to put the puck in the net. But it's pulling the puck out of your net, and it's it's the offensive zone time. It's letting Jack Hughes dance around in circles. I mean, again, Jack Hughes is going to do that, but, you know, Nico Heeshear, a guy that's known for really doing that too much in the offensive zone, had the puck on his stick a lot. Tyler Toffoli had a number of chances, probably should have scored three times. He also loves playing against the Vancouver Canucks, and he could have buried one. It was an ugly night for a night that, you know, there's 11 goals and it was a fun hockey game, right. but it was an ugly night defensively for that team. Yeah, I think it was a little more fun for the yeah, Devils well, at the course. end of the night, and obviously the... The big storyline was the Hughes brothers, and we can certainly jump into that. And part of this is that, look, Jack is sort of lording over Quinn head-to-head. Uh, it's now 6-1 in matchups where those two have been involved. Luke gets a win in his first game against uh, big brother Quinn as well. But this is really one of the craziest statistics, and it's something I've been charting for years because it just continues to go down this path. But the Devils have won 15 of the last 16 games against the Vancouver Canucks. When you think about it, like think where the Devils have been over the last eight years. They have two first overall picks and a second overall pick. Like They haven't been very good in the last eight years. Neither is Vancouver. I know that, <laughs> yeah. but that's why it should be a fair fight. Like It yeah. should be a, you know 500, but it, it, they've just, there's been a mastery of the New Jersey Devils over the Vancouver Canucks, and it continues here. And so no laughing matter for Quinn. As we said, uh, a late push for him. He gets two more assists, and so he's uh, adding to his point total. But uh, this one, you know, is going to hurt. Played a ton, uh, 26 minutes and 41 seconds, five shots on goal, eight attempts. So doing a lot of Quinn Hughes things. And on that Hoaglander goal that tied it, Ray Ferraro called him an escape artist on the television <laughs> side of things. I mean, Timo Meyer looks like he's got him locked in a cage. And I don't imagine when they do uh, film work on the devil side of things that uh, Timo Meyer is going to grade no. out so well. You know, when you're protecting a one goal lead, but it's Quinn Hughes and he makes that play high at the blue line, creates a little space for himself, is able to walk around the left side as we see him do so often and, you know, gets the puck to the net. And there was Hoaglander to bang it in for his eighth of the season. And it turned out to be a, a big night for Nils Hoaglander. We'll get to some of the underlying numbers, but I want to stick with the Hughes brothers because, uh, you know, a lot of chat going in. I was there this morning at the morning skate. I haven't seen a scrum in the Canucks locker room with that much media. Like, it took me back to the heyday of the Sedins and, <laughs> like, the, the run in 2011. Like, it was probably 20 media members and six or eight cameras. Like, we just don't see scrums like that here locally. But a lot of attention league-wide, obviously. The parents are in town. Yeah. Not a surprise that all three of the, the Hughes brothers uh, figure in the scoring. Jack and Luke both score goals. Uh, Luke's goal made it 5-2, to two, and you kind of thought maybe that one was uh, curtains for the Vancouver Canucks late in the second period on the power play. Not a whole lot Demko could do there. When we talked about goals that got past that Demko, long shot through traffic, and uh, you know at 5-2, to two, you kind of felt that the Devils uh, might be able to put it in cruise control in the third period. So credit to the Canucks for, for not going quietly, but... I'm telling you, Jack Hughes, like for years, I've always thought Nathan McKinnon was maybe my favorite player in the NHL to watch live. And like I've been fortunate to watch Connor McDavid here for the last bunch of years and have been in this uh, business for a while. I've yeah. seen lots of good players, but I just love watching Nathan McKinnon and open ice build up ahead of steam. Jack Hughes is a different player. He's not the same, obviously the same body type and profile as Nathan McKinnon, but watching him attack the blue line with speed 
and you can just see defenders, there's sort of a panic that they have no idea what he's going to do. He's so creative. He's so yeah. clever, can make things happen out of nothing. When it looks like he's got no time and space, like he can still find ways to hurt you. And so he was going in this hockey game, scores his 10th of the year and had a couple of assists as well. So, uh, you know, missed a few games there, mm-hmm. but didn't miss a beat. And even missing two weeks of action is still in the top 10 in National Hockey League scoring. Yeah, I mean, plain and simple, Jack's sick. And he's, he got, he's got ridiculous hands. And I think the one play in the first period where he came down the wing and he was a little bit slow against Tyler Myers and then just <laughs> in a snap of the finger, yeah. changes his pace and he gets a shot on net, forcing Demko to make a tough save. Like, that's what Jack Hughes can do. But Luke, that guy's got superstar-level talent written all over him. Uh, I remember when Travis got hired in New Jersey and he kind of had training camp. I was still kept in touch with him and he told me that he wanted to put him on their power play to quarterback <laughs> and they couldn't obviously with Dougie Hamilton but he said, he said he is that good and he will be that good. And I think it's just the little things that he does. He's so smart in his own end. He's got his brother's mind, uh, Quinn's mind back there and he might have some of Jack's skill as well. So there's a little bit of both in him but it's going to be a fun, fun time to be obviously Quinn Hughes and Jack Hughes' parents to watching them for the years to come and the NHL's in a really good place with those three, that's for sure. Yeah, so the final stat line, Quinn was 26-41 with a couple of assists. Jack plays 18 minutes and 33 seconds, six shots on goal. He scored on one of them, had two helpers, so a three-point night for him. And Luke plays 16 minutes and 11 seconds, so not a ton of ice time for him. But, like his brothers, has a knack for getting pucks to the net. Only one shot on goal, it's found its way in, but seven shot attempts for Luke Hughes in his 16 minutes and 11 seconds. And, of course, for Luke and Jack, the most important statistic is the one high on the scoreboard, and that is 6-5. The Devils defeat the Vancouver Canucks, who fall to 16-9-1 as they continue to alternate wins and losses, as we said. But uh, back-to-back losses now on home ice to Vegas last week and, and here to this New Jersey team. And round two of the Hughes brothers matchup just over a month away. They will uh, reconvene in New Jersey early in the new year, and we'll see how much hype that one garners. So that was one of the storylines. You've mentioned Travis Green a couple of times uh, back here, two years to the day since the massive house cleaning that saw him and Nolan Baumgartner and Jim Benning and John Weisbrot, and then later Chris Gear and, and Jonathan Wall as well, all relieved of their duties. I mean, it has to feel good, obviously, coming back and getting the win. Probably a few anxious moments, a few more gray hairs there uh, for him as well. The Canucks saluted him in the first minute of play. I don't think it was the very first stoppage, but looked up at the clock late in the first minute of play. You know, up on the Jumbotron and uh, welcomed him back. And he was well aware that he was on the Jumbotron. You can't miss what's on the Jumbotron in the building with the the new screens. But it kind of looked like he was like, all right, cut to somebody else. Go to some crowd shot. And eventually kind of got a little wave there. It looked like a a reluctant wave, but I I always figured that the organization would salute him at the very least. I wasn't expecting any kind of video montage for a returning coach two years after the fact, but they gave him his uh, flowers early. And then uh, uh, the Devils get the last laugh, as we said, with the 6-5 victory over the Vancouver Canucks. Brock Besser, he got the comeback going in the third period, seven minutes in. On the back end, what a shift for JT Miller massive hit at the blue line and it kind of just felt like JT Miller was willing a goal on that shift. It was Miller and then Hoaglander got in and they turned that puck, they hound it, they get it back. Miller over to Besser in front on the backhand. 18 earth. Matches his total from all of last year. Pads his lead atop the NHL goal scoring lead. He had two assists as well on the night. Brock Besser he leads the league in goal scoring and he's back into the top 10 in scoring, and every time that he picks up a goal here, he's up to 18 now, you do some Brock math, there's 56 games to go. Yeah. I mean, 30 is that number. I mean, he's probably had to reassess what's possible for him with 18 goals already, but for him to get to 30, he needs a dozen goals now over the final 56 games. Yeah, it's wild. It, It really is. I've done this show, I think, a few times with you now, and we brought it's been the best, it's better every time. <laughs> so I mean he's also scored every other game basically this season, but finds himself in the right place at the right time almost all the time. When you're hot, you're hot. Um, you just know where to be. Sticks always on the ice. I don't think he's he's doing anything differently than he's done from game one this season. I think that, you know, he's finding himself in exact spots that goal scorers need to be. And most of his goals weren't the Brock goals that we saw early 
in his career. He's he doesn't have the crazy slap shot. There's no booming wrist shot. No, it's, it's kind of an evolution of Brock. Where, he's the garbage yeah, man. Yeah, he really is. Hey, garbage <laughs> mans get paid too. Absolutely. Right? So <laughs> I, I think that when you look at it, he's like, okay, maybe I don't really have my shot anymore. That's the evaluation they had over this summer. Maybe I'm not as fast as I used to be. Never really was a good skater. But if I can let guys like JT Miller do some work, crash and bang, they're going to get pucks on net. Quinn's going to throw pucks on net. If I'm in the right place at the right time, more often than not, the puck will find its way to my stick and I just have to put it in the net, right? And I think that that's one of the things that he's kind of taken to himself to readjust and, and relook at what he is as a hockey player. And obviously it's paying off. 20 minutes and 29 yeah. seconds uh, for Brock Besser. So he crashed 20 minutes. Elias Pettersson, another night of big ice time, 22-37 for him. JT Miller up over 21 minutes. Rick Tockett rode his horses uh, in the third, and and rightly so. And the byproduct of that is the Andre Kuzmenko saga continues here. A healthy scratch for a pair of games uh, not that long ago. Back in the lineup, scored in the Vegas game, sort of garbage time goal. But you thought maybe one would get the floodgates going. That hasn't been the case. And uh, it was a tough first period. He was on the ice for three of the <laughs> Devils' goals. And then he didn't see the ice an awful lot, uh, certainly in that third period. Andre Kuzmenko, when you look at his final ice time on the night, one shift in the final 10 minutes and 41 seconds as the Canucks are chipping away and coming back in this hockey game. He played 14 minutes and 14 seconds on the night. Wasn't much of a factor. Yeah, you just wonder where it's going. And in the same breath, when you wonder where it's going for him, you know, we've all wondered, when's Nils Hoaglander going to get a little bit of a bump here? And not only did he get the bump, but he scores the tying goal. Same things that we just talked about with Brock Best. Go to the front of the mm -hmm. net. You know, do the things that you have to do to put yourself in position. I mean, that's where goals are scored in this league. And for Nils Hoaglander, uh, he didn't start particularly strong in this hockey game. Started on the fourth line, and you weren't kind of sure where his night was going to go. Four minutes and 19 seconds in the first period. Three minutes and 33 seconds in the second period. 7.02 in the third period, and uh, he was taking a regular shift there alongside Miller and Besser. And when your team needed a goal, Rick Tockett went and said, who's playing well? Looks at his lineup, he goes, all right, 21, get over the boards, right? And I think that Nils Hoaglander, I think he realized that when Quinn Hughes has the puck and he's dancing at the blue line, the best place to be is in front of the net. Yeah. Because chances are the puck's going to end up there at some point, and you're, you're able to obviously tap it in. I just think hockey is very difficult for a guy like Andre Kuzmenko right now. Uh, you know, he gets back on the first power play unit, doesn't shoot the puck at all. It's tough. Maybe he's gripping the stick a little bit too tight, but there were times there where I, he had the puck at the top of the circle open for a shot, and he's forcing passes the wrong way. They're getting deflected off defensemen and things of that nature. So on one hand, you hope Kuzmenko kind of figures it out here. They gave him, you know, those couple games where he had to sit out, and he came back, and he played well, and then he kind of lost it again. But this was the Niels Hoaglander game. This is the game where you look at it and if he gets that bump and if he starts to play, you know, top six minutes night in and night out consistently, maybe he gets a, a bump to the top power play unit or, or, or what have you, right? Because, I mean, he obviously tied the game, got a lot of trust from his coach for being able to play a lot in the third period and he did everything. I mean, he was, he was hitting people, he was throwing the puck to the net and obviously scoring a goal. Yeah, and as much as Kuzmenko is a conundrum right now, uh, Ilya Mikheyev, too, who I thought yeah. was terrific in Calgary on Saturday, had a goal and an assist, had the breakaway, had five shots on goal. Uh, he was a factor in that win over the Flames. He had two shifts in the final 10 minutes of this hockey game, and you wanted to believe that Saturday was a step forward. This kind of felt like a step back, but again, Rick Tockett's got to go with the guys that he feels are going. He talked about guys giving them juice, and Sam Lafferty's one of those guys, and Suddenly, Sam's a seven-goal scorer for the Vancouver Canucks, scored in Calgary, scored a big goal here that got them within one and, and set the stage uh, for the Hoaglander tying goal. Well, we were joking with 11 minutes to go in the third period. They had gone the JT Miller line, then they got on the Pedersen line, back-to-back-to-back. <laughs> to back to back. Yep. And we're like, they, there's no way they could do this for the whole third. Well, they almost did. And I think that that was one of the things. And look, good, good for Sam Lafferty, too. Sure. Seven-goal Sam, you mentioned it, right? He's, he's there, he's putting the puck in the net, he's fine. He's doing things to make himself move up in the lineup. And I think one of the things for a lot of these guys is, okay, if I'm playing well and I know I'm going that game and we're down or, or, or the game's tight, I'm going to get, I'm going to play in the third period. So I think that you've got to have that mindset for these guys to come into these games. Really, you got to just go for it. Like, I think that for a guy like Kuzmenko, at some point, okay, go get yours. Just shoot. 
because otherwise you're not really going to play. I think that that's all that Rick Tockett really wanted to see from him was shoot the puck, get yourself in that position. And he just looked hesitant. And you just, you mentioned obviously Ilya Mikheyev as well. There's a guy that, you know, maybe he's still not the Ilya Mikheyev that we've seen from Toronto or early on. And obviously, you know, he did have a very good game against the Calgary Flames, but you know, that's not the Ilya, Ilya Mikheyev that they signed and, and gave all that money to. They went back to the four forward set on the power play and it cashed in early, but it went one for four on mm -hmm. the night and they could have obviously used a, another power play somewhere along the line. But if Kuzmenko isn't a factor and he's not contributing on the power play at five on five, like I just don't know what his fit is and what his role is. And certainly the idea of him being anything more than a 20 goal score. I mean, so much of his success last year came at the front of the net on the power play redirects and tips and, and those types of things. But, I mean, it's so obvious right now that Rick Tockett is sort of stuck with what to do with him, where to play him, how much he can trust him. And if he's not finding a way to be a difference maker with the extra man, I don't know. I mean, that to me is really going to be something that bears monitoring here moving forward because I just don't know how that story is going to end. Yeah, this team's definitely not ready to give up on him. I think there's still room for him to try and grow, to try and improve as a hockey player. But... I think for him, a lot of it's the mental side of the game right now. We've no, it's on paper. There's facts that uh, Andre Kuzmenko can score goals, right? He got paid because of it. And I just think right now it's 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 very difficult for him to forget about shooting the puck, getting making a pass. Yeah, you know, And you're on the ice on the wrong side. You don't want to be dash three every single game because you're going to find yourself in the press box really fast if you do that. Well, we do the stat that stands <laughs> out every night here on Rinkwide. This isn't it, although it does stand out to me. At even strength, not only was Kuzmenko on the wrong end of three goals and none for the Canucks, the Canucks were outshot 14-2 to two with Andre Kuzmenko on the ice. That's not going to get it done. We're going to hear from Quinn Hughes. We're going to hear from Rick Tockett as uh, this night goes along. We'll get to our rink-wide Vancouver three-star selection. We'll get into the inbox as well. Some listener feedback. Your thoughts on what you saw from the Canucks and the Devils, a wild night of hockey at Rogers Arena. But right now it's time for our Betway Bet of the Day. And we will look at the Wednesday schedule in the National Hockey League. Good-looking matchup here. The Dallas Stars going into Florida to take on the Stanley Cup finalist Panthers. Stars, the underdogs here. Now, they got shut out a little further north in the state of Florida, in Tampa, so they're going to want to bounce back. I like the Dallas Stars here. I think a little bit of value. They're paying out at plus 200 on the money line. I think the Stars respond with a win in Sunrise. That is our betway. Bet of the day must be 19-plus to play. Please play responsibly. Neither team really played all that responsibly in their own zone in this hockey game as we break down a 6-5 New Jersey Devils victory over the Vancouver Canucks. It's Jeff and Earth with you. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. Canucks mount a furious comeback, but fortunately, well, the comeback got all the way back at 5-all, and then they give up the winner in the final minute. Jesper Bratt, second of the night. Bookend goals for him, 9-10 and 10 on the season. Devils with a 6-5 win over the Vancouver Canucks. Earth, uh, we've talked about this one. We've broken it down in a number of ways. There's still <laughs> lots more to, to get to, but I want to hear from Rick Tockett because those that were in the room at Rogers Arena uh, letting us know that Coach, none too pleased, as you can imagine, the breakdowns, the giveaways, the missed assignments, giving up six goals for the first time all season. Uh, Rick Talk, it was asked about uh, the hockey game and where things got away from his club tonight. Well, the first period, obviously, you give them those four goals that shouldn't go. Just, you know, there's system plays that um, I'm a little disappointed, guys. Just you're supposed to be in spots they weren't in. Now you're chasing the game. And then we, come, you know, make a great effort. And then last goal, they had actually four guys on the ice. And I think maybe you could blame all five guys on the ice for that. It, you know, it's the pressure of, I still don't understand where guys were going on that play. We had time, time, and and that's that's why you got to, you know, that's details. Details and details. That's what we keep hammering these guys. Yeah, that's as frustrated, I think, as we've heard Rick talking. I know he, he was none too pleased after the uh, Philadelphia shutout loss, and he kind of ripped his guys then, but he's he's picked his spots over the season. And again, this is a club that is 16-9-1 with this loss, so still uh, way more wins than losses, far more positives than negatives. But 
Uh, this is a coach that uh, has his non-negotiables. We hear about those almost every media availability. I don't think the guys yeah. uh, lived by the Rick Tockett Bible in this hockey game when he talked about systems, plays, uh, goals that just shouldn't go, blames all five guys on on the game winner. So uh, some frustration, uh, a little venting by the coach. Yeah, a little disappointed, probably a lot disappointed if you're Rick Tockett. I mean, blame all five guys. I was obviously just talking about the game winner there, but yeah, four goals shouldn't go, and he's right. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're one of the hockey teams that you just mentioned, Jeff, the record, you're the top of the NHL standings, and you let a team come into your building and score four goals that early in a hockey game. I mean, there's something's definitely got to give there, but um, yeah, system plays was also an interesting one to me because how far back does that go? Like, is that now was just, just basic coaching or or where is that or who's getting lost in what areas or was it the Devils doing something right or were you guys just completely lost and hopeless back there in the first period? Like, I, it's just one of those things where you look at and say, was it everything? Was it a, was it a compound mess or what was it? Well, it's not quite to the levels of the second game that he coached when they went down to Seattle and yes. got absolutely fed. And then he talked about boot camp and having to move guys around out there on the ice. But he did say that, you know, this is another indication that they may have to go back to the drawing board here and just continue to drill down on guys. Of course, uh, it is a topic. We've talked about it already. Uh, the Kuzmenko question came up post-game, but uh, the coach wasn't terribly interested in going down Kuzmenko Boulevard uh, after this one. I'm tired of answering questions about him. We came back. You know, it worked out. You know, Kuzi's got a, you know, he's got a four-check. He's got, he's got a four-check. Let's, let's start with that. <laughs> four-check. It starts Yikes. with that. Yeah. I don't know if he wants to play Kuzmenko. I mean, if you're a coach and you're that simple in getting your message across saying he's got a four-check, if I'm looking at my lineup for Wednesday, Minnesota's been playing well, just, you know, maybe give him a day of practice. He's not in my lineup. Just based on that alone. Paging PGD, yeah. PDG, get back in the lineup here because DiGiuseppe's been a healthy scratch for a couple of games. So I don't know if it's the same sort of reset as talking, uh, he termed it when uh, Kuzmenko was sat down for those games in Seattle and San Jose. But yeah, you just wonder where uh, all of this is Headed. Uh, all right, into the Canucks locker room we go. The captain, uh, obviously at uh, the center of this with his brothers uh, for the first time. Uh, just the ninth time in NHL history that three siblings have shared NHL ice. Again, they all figured in the scoring. Luke and Jack with goals, and they get the win. Quinn has a couple of assists in a losing effort. And uh, he was just asked about uh, the furious comeback, but ultimately uh, giving up the late one uh, that sunk the Canucks. Yeah, we know that we have, you know... A lot of guys in this room that can make plays and, um, you know, felt confident in the whole game that we were going to, you know, have chances to tie it up. I mean, I think, you know, we can't hang our hat on that. We got to find a way to, you know, first off, get that one to OT. I mean, it's, you know, terrible to lose a game like that. And then secondly, I think just, uh, you know, them being up 4-1 in the first, you know, we gave up eight shots, but there are four great A's. And if you look at the chances, so, um, yeah, I don't think we played terrible. It's just we gave up big mistakes. That's it. Yeah, I mean, he sounded like kind of we did, that uh, he was confident that uh, they could come all the way back. Again, the opportunities were there. They ramped it up in the third period only to give up the late one. So uh, I, I agree with them, and and we touched on it. To score five, you got to find a way to just get it to overtime. Like, just milk the clock, get it to overtime. Again, they robbed us, Earth, of three-on-three three with all of the talent and all the, I know. the skill that was out there and how many uh, Hughes... I joked that there would be an NHL rule that a Hughes brother had to be on the ice at all times. <laughs> I, I don't think that... we Probably not much of a stretch, really, when you think how much Jack and Luke... Uh, I don't know if it would have gone the distance just because, again, there was uh, enough talent out there to, to end it. Uh, whatever the case, the Canucks had to get it to overtime. They didn't. So the Devils get the two points and the Canucks, they get the old lump of coal in their stock here a couple of weeks ahead of Christmas, and Quinn was asked about uh, the performance of uh, the two guys that share his name on the other side tonight. Two really good players, going to be really good players for a long time, and um, yeah, bittersweet right now. It's, you know, happy seeing them have their success, but um, obviously looking to win that game, and I thought, you know, putting ourselves 5-5 there, we had a chance to do that, but can't hang our hat on that. You know, too many, you know, chances we gave them in the first, and then, um, Got to find a way to get that to OT and you know, win that. Yeah, you can understand. Bittersweet. He said uh, right off the top there, a uh, little credit, a little love to the brothers. But uh, again, you can feel the frustration in his voice. He yeah. Want, he I wants mean, to come out on top in one of these well, things. Well, of course. I mean, Brad, Matt, Brady Kachuk said the same thing about yeah. Matthew Kachuk when that brouhaha happened <laughs> at the end of that one game. But uh, team day off for the Canucks tomorrow, Jeff. But you know who's not going to have a day off? Rick Talkin and his oh, coaching boy. staff. They're going to be in the lab trying to figure out what they need to do ahead of... Uh, 
Thursday night's game against the Minnesota Wild. But, you know, going back to Quinn Hughes, obviously bittersweet and it's great. I mean, it's one of those great things that, you know, him and his brothers are going to be able to play each other. I mean, it depends what happens or whatever, at least twice a year yeah. for the next 10 to 15 years for their for their careers. So it's uh, it's an interesting one in the stat that you obviously brought up. 15 of the last 16 games for the Canucks belong to the New Jersey Devils. Interesting, too, and you mentioned day off. They had Monday off. They played in Calgary on Saturday. They came home. They had a quick practice on Sunday, took Monday off. Here you've got Tockett, who you could feel the steam coming out of his ears just in those clips. And he always talks about wanting practice time and the fact that they're at home now on this homestead. I'm I'm a little surprised, quite frankly. Uh, perhaps this was a scheduled day off, but to have two that close together as scheduled days off surprises me just a little because, uh, yeah, it's clear that they've got some things to work on. Uh, all right, let's get to the Rinkwide Vancouver three-star selection. The three stars is selected by the Broadcast crew in the building, Jack Hughes, Brock Besser, and Jesper Bratt. I've got them in reverse order, actually. I got Jesper Bratt. He scored two goals, including the winner. And you can argue that Jack Hughes was the best player and most impactful, but ultimately in a five-all tie with time ticking away, Jesper Bratt finds a way to stick it to the Canucks. And so I've got Jesper Bratt with his two goals as my first star in this one. I've got Jack Hughes as the second star with a three-point effort, and Brock Besser matched him with three and again, Brock just having this incredible season on a nightly basis. It feels like uh, if he's not in the stars, he's in consideration here. And so I've got Jesper Bratt, Jack Hughes, and Brock Besser as the rink-wide Vancouver, three stars of this hockey game. Yeah, absolutely no problem with that. I think that, yeah, when you watch Jack Hughes and what he's able to do, he does it every single night. But uh, I would probably have, yeah, you know, Jesper Bratt up there, you know, gets the game winner late, scored early in the game as well, and Jack was unreal. And then Brock for... For me, Brock's just, it's it's the story that, you know, we just keep looking at it and saying, oh, is this really going to end? Or, But we just keep going back to it and say, oh, it's finding yourself in, in, in the right places at the right time and kind of reinventing who Brock Besser was to what he is now. The Canucks will take the day <laughs> on Wednesday, get back at it Thursday with Minnesota in town. Again, I, I just feel like it's probably Casey DeSmith's time. And after Thatcher Demko gives up six... You know, Demko's played in four straight, started four straight in eight of the last nine. So when you look at the opponents that are coming up on the schedule, after Minnesota, it's Carolina, it's Tampa, it's Florida, three fairly high-powered offenses, uh, three teams that have designs on, you know, making a, a deep run in the playoffs. Florida obviously got to, to the Stanley Cup final. Tampa's been to the top of the hill, and Carolina every year, you think maybe this will be their year. So not that Minnesota is... Uh, a lesser opponent the way that they're playing with four straight victories, but it just, it, it sort of feels like it's time for a break for Demko. And so I think it's probably a Casey DeSmith start on Thursday night. Yeah, I would have to agree, but that Minnesota wild team has been yeah. playing some pretty good hockey of late Jeff. So they definitely got the coach bump as the Canucks did a little while ago, but yeah. But you were telling me as we were preparing for this show that uh, a little surprise, like we, we've talked the fact that the Canucks have alternated wins and losses, but Thatcher Demko has not posted back-to-back victories since... Back-to-back starts for him since November 4th and 6th. He went November 24th, he won, but he didn't play the 25th, right. and then he won on the 28th. So he hasn't won two consecutive starts since November 4th and 6th. Well, I don't think he's going to get the chance on Thursday, yeah. and so uh, he'll have to try to start a new streak probably on Saturday against the Carolina Hurricanes. Still more ahead here on Rinkwide. We've got our stat that stands out. We'll get into uh, the inbox and see what the people thought of this one and a few more thoughts uh, about special teams as well as the Vancouver Canucks battle back and then ultimately fall a goal short. 6-5, the final, the Devils over the Canucks. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. We're continuing to break down this 6-5 night of hockey at Rogers Arena, New Jersey, coming out on top of the Vancouver Canucks we will get to the stat that stands out here in a sec. We'll also get to a little bit of a listener feedback, your thoughts on uh, what you saw and uh, the state of this hockey club that continues to take one step forward and one step back. All of our social channels at Rinkwide Van is uh, where you can catch up with us. Uh, Canucks at home to the Minnesota Wild on Thursday. Carolina's in on Saturday. And then the two Florida teams come this way next week. Tampa and uh, Roberto Luongo going into the Ring of Honor I uh, saw that they were doing the work at Rogers Arena, getting uh, his plaque up there in the ring, ready to go. It's all covered up, and then they'll uh, 
unveil it Thursday, December the 14th. So uh, lots of games to look forward to on the homestand, and I don't know if they're all going to be as entertaining uh, as this one. Certainly uh, can't make any promises. I'm sure the Canucks hope that they can tighten up defensively, but uh, facing some teams as well that uh, know how to put pucks in the net. So uh, next challenge up is the Minnesota Wild. The stat that stands out, and we do this uh, every time here on Rinkwine after each and every Vancouver Canucks game, mentioned it a little bit earlier, but uh, JT Miller, adding to his point totals, 14 goals now, 25 assists, 39 points, or if he is second only to Nikita Kucherov in the National Hockey League, he's three points back of top spot, but he's two points up on Artemi Panarin. Uh, really, when you think of... You know, the role that Miller's played this year, taking on defensive assignments, and there's been a little bit of slippage in that regard in his game, but through it all, still finding ways to produce, and the 39 points through 26 games. I mean, the pace that he's on. Like, I honestly, I thought the 99 points a couple of years ago, I thought, you know, he might get close, but <laughs> I didn't think that we would see him top that. And now, it would take him basically falling off a cliff here. For him not to yeah. uh, get into triple digits this year. Obviously, feast on the power sure. play. But hey, if you're going to eat, eat somewhere and eat on the power play, right? <laughs> yeah. And JT Miller's doing that. It doesn't matter at the end of the day. The point's a point, right? And as long as you're trying to help your team win, you're contributing night in and night out. And this is the guy that they they traded for, right? The point-of-game guy. People, I remember when they did it at the draft, people were like, oh, I don't know if a lot of people are going to like this trade. And then you obviously give him the huge contract. And then people are like, well, is he really going to be worth the contract? Then he gets a 99-point guy. And now, you know, like you mentioned, it's going to be really, really, really difficult for him to not get maybe 100 points with what's left in the season and the way that he's producing. But, yeah, I mean, he's just always in the right spots. He plays angry <laughs> and sometimes too angry and to his own credit. But I think that's one of the things that this team needs, you know. He's a leader by example on the ice, and I, and I think that guys do follow him. I, I really do. I think that they listen to a lot of what he says. He got a piece of the post there at 4-2 to two late in the second period, and I thought, man, that might be a turning point because he scores there. Canucks were within one. They got a whole period to go. Bilden would have been jumping, and he came close. Nico Heischer, I'm not sure what he was doing there. Just turned the puck, uh, weak giveaway, and JT Miller pounced on it. Uh, came that close, and then moments later, of course, Luke Hughes scored, extend the lead, and you thought, wow, like that right there. You've just seen a chance at one end and a goal at the other. But JT Miller up to 39 points. Quinn Hughes, with his two assists, has joined David Pasternak, tied for fourth in overall league scoring at 36. Elias Pettersson up to 34 points, so he's uh, in sixth place, and Brock Besser knocking on the door of the top 10. He's got 30 points now, 12 assists to go along with those 18 goals. So the Vancouver Canucks have four guys in the top 11 in NHL scoring. And Jack Hughes with uh, his three-point night up to 33. So Quinn still has a three-point edge on Jack, although he's played eight more games uh, than his younger brother. So the Canucks scoring and just the fact that they've got those four guys in the top 11, those are all stats that stand out to me. All right, let's get to a little bit of listener feedback, our social channels at Rinkwide Van. Uh, Chris saying after coming all the way back to tie, the same defensive lapses that haunted them all game, came back and they pissed it away and they did. And we talked about that a little bit right off the top that, uh, you know, you get five on home ice and you do all the good work and the heavy lifting in that third period to get back on even terms. They had just got it out into overtime. If you lose an OT, it stings, but at least you get something. But uh, instead you flush a five goal night offensively because you give up six at the other end. Jacob on the bright side, Hoaglander and Lafferty look awesome. Just about all game. It's just worrisome that we're going to overpay Heronic in the offseason. Yeah, last time I think uh, you and I talked about, you know, what's it going to take to re-sign Philip Heronic, who uh, has been a terrific addition, but I do think there's been a little bit of slippage in his play defensively, and uh, you saw the miscue on the first goal, the, the pinch, and uh, again, the one mistake is fine. You can live with one mistake, but uh, other guys have to step up and cover in that situation, or maybe that's where you ultimately want to save as uh, Jesper Bratt beats Thatcher Demko between the legs. Uh, Chirp says the Canucks' physical play and forechecking were awesome tonight, but their puck watching in their own zone was hard to watch. And I do think Rick talking will be pleased with the way they got on that devil's defense, and you know, you had Vanacek, didn't make it out of the last game that he played. It was given the hook, and then he sat and he watched the last couple of games the Devils have played. He gets back in there, and, you know, if this was his opportunity to stake his claim to the crease, uh, he may be watching the next game. But, 
you know, the book on him is rebounds, and there were. And, <laughs> and I think the Canucks recognized that. Like, just get pucks to the net with some traffic, and good things can happen. And certainly, uh, you know, that's the way Besser scores that way. Lafferty standing his ground in front of the net was a tip. It wasn't a rebound, but still traffic in front of the net there. And then Hoaglander on the rebound as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I do think the Canucks did some nice work in the puck retrieval side of things. You know, you, you spot your opponent three goal leads. Uh, it is tough to climb out of. They did climb out, and ultimately then uh, they gave back all that good work that they did. Ernie says, growing pains. It's obvious the team is better than last year. You need to add a couple more pieces in order to be a more consistent team and possibly make some noise in the playoffs. Well, yes, and I still think if they truly think of themselves as a team that can do something if they get to the playoffs, uh, they need another scoring winger. I don't think there's much doubt about that, but... They add Zadorov, and I need to see, and I'm sure the coaching staff needs to see a little more consistent effort defensively, sort of as the dust settles and guys fill into their roles. Because Carson Susie's not coming back till after Christmas. And, like, do they miss him? Sure they do, but he's one player. And good teams find way. Like, Vegas came <laughs> in here last week without Shea Theodore and Alec <laughs> Martinez. Didn't look like they missed them that night. You know, good teams find ways. And so... They've just got to find a way to push through here and just tighten up defensively. Here's my thing about growing pains. These guys have all been in the national hockey. They're not rookies. No. No, they've all they've all been they've all been given their contracts. They've all, you know, they've have played at a very high level. They're all they're all stars. Some of them are all stars. Um, when you look at this team, when is it more about something other than growing pains? Like I, I think you can give them a break and here at some point, but what type of team are you? What type of identity are you early on in the season? Yeah, they could puck at the puck and then that, that power play clicking and it's rolling around. But if the power play doesn't help you night in and night out and you're not getting power plays, and you, I mean, the last couple of games before entering tonight, they were 0 for 7. Yeah. Right? So the power play wasn't working. No. And then they found a different way to win. So what type of team are you going to be? And I think that, you know, at some point you look at some of these guys and say, okay, you know, they're in their 20, 24, 25, 26. Obviously, some of them a little bit older. When is it going to get to a point where we say, okay, well, we can't really give them too much of a break anymore what type of team are you and what are you going to be and who do you really think you are? I think that's the biggest thing. Right. And some of those core guys that haven't had extensive playoff experience, they have surrounded them. I mean, Ian Cole's got rings to show for. Teddy Bluger comes from Vegas. He has a ring. Tyler Myers, that's not growing pains. Tyler Myers, (laughs) he's been at this a while. Like, what you see is what, and and really it's been that way for a while with Tyler Myers. And, uh, you know, I guess you just have to live with some of those miscues. Unfortunately, of late, it feels like his mistakes are loud again and they're winding up in the net. And earlier in the season, it just felt like he had sort of settled. He had that tough night in Tampa. And then after that, he had kind of settled into a groove where you know, he was just holding his own. You weren't noticing him an awful lot. And and that's kind of what you hope for with Tyler Myers. But the last couple of games, uh, there have been some issues there. And yeah, that first period was a tough one on him and, and his fellow defensemen. So the Canucks fall by a score of 6-5. to five. Uh, you know, another area of concern for me is the penalty kill that uh, goes one for two on the night. They each scored a power play goal, so that part's a push. The Devils, who came in with the best power play in the National Hockey League, you know, they didn't win this game on the power play, but it's five straight games now that the Canucks have surrendered a power play goal. They gave up two the other night to a Calgary team that uh, is dreadful with the man advantage. And again, it's just, it, there's little breakdowns that are creeping back into the game that weren't there in the first 15. Some of that is Carson Soucy and Pia Suter. Yeah. You can track the troubles back to those two guys, but Earth, Pia Suter's been out for three weeks now <laughs> without any sort of hint of an update other than he had a setback somewhere along the line. We're led to believe it's a middle body or a core injury. And I don't know, like it just doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of progress here. Yeah, from what we know, I don't think he's even skated oh, on his own. Forget about with the team. I right. think it's so... When you hear that, and obviously we were talking before, it's on that three-week area. What what is it? You know, they put him on LTIR, obviously, to for for uh, paper and stuff like that. But you know, then you start to think about okay, because well, this guy is this something a little bit worse? Is this something that this team needs to be worried about longer term? I mean, I don't ever want to mention surgery, but is there something there? Like obviously, if he's not even skating after three weeks, and it's a, maybe a core growing or, or lower body or whatever it was described as, you know, is it one of those injuries that? is going to be need to be dealt with now so he can play at the end of the season or is it something worse? So hopefully, you know, maybe we get some clarity here. Probably not over the next little while, but we're just led to believe that, you know, he's just still out on, on an LTIR. And they miss him. There's no doubt about yeah. it. And, and he was playing well and he was starting to find his offensive footing as well. 
when he left and his last game was in Montreal, same with Carson Soucy. And so it's been 11 games now for both of those players. Soucy's going to be out until after Christmas, and we just don't know about Pia Suter. I wish I had an update. Uh, coach and general manager get asked periodically, but kind of out of sight, out of mind. I've seen Suter around the rink on occasion, but uh, generally, you know, in workout gear going into the gym. And so Teddy Bluger has stepped up into that role. A uh, bit of a mixed night for Bluger. We talked about him letting Jack Hughes get away on the jersey goal, but then uh, sort of redeemed himself, picks up an assist on the Dakota Joshua goal. And, you know, we didn't really talk about the Dakota Joshua goal. You know, at a 4-1 deficit, in the final 20 seconds of the first period. You know, if the Devils go into that period up 4-1, to one, uh, who knows, maybe they get the next one and extend it, make it a 5-1. Like, I, I thought at the time that was a big goal. But more than that, I just like the hands on Dakota Joshua that, you know, I think a lot of guys lose puck, and we've talked about rebounds here. Um, a lot of guys, I think, would have just jammed that puck and tried to stuff it in, and he shows enough poise and patience to pull it around the goaltender and, you know, not the first time we've seen that. I, I think that there is some skill there from Dakota <laughs> Joshua, but unfortunately, uh, the goal total is still pretty modest at uh, the 26-game mark, uh, and he's only played 25 of them, but but just his fourth goal of the season. Yeah, and the Dakota Joshua story is interesting here in Vancouver, obviously, with, you know, coming into this season and, you know, the head coach kind of calling him out and him not being maybe was it in shape or maybe the professionalism or whatever it was. And obviously it got to a point where, you know, Dakota had to take a look at it and said, am I going to be a professional hockey player or what am I, what do I want to do here? And obviously, you know, sometimes there's nights where Rick Tockett really, really trusts him and he has him out in these big situations to try and get goals. And then there's other nights where he doesn't, but on a night like this, like Dakota, Josh was on the ice with 33 seconds left in the game. Yep. I mean, they scored, but he's on the ice. Right, with Elias Pettersson well, there. Pettersson and Lafferty yeah. and, and Joshua essentially were one of the two lines yeah. that saw regular ice time uh, in that third period. So we'll see what Rick Tockett does uh, on Thursday with Minnesota in. Win one, lose one, win one, lose one. The streak is at nine now that they have alternated wins and losses. So if the trend holds, they'll bounce back and get a victory against the Minnesota Wild. But again, that's not going to be easy. Mini comes in here with four straight wins under John Hines since he replaced Dean Evason last week. That's going to do it for this edition of Rink Wide. For Irfan Gaffar, it's Jeff Patterson. As always, thanks so much for your support listening to uh, the podcast after each and every Canucks game, all of the uh, feedback in the inbox as well. So uh, we'll be back to do this again on Thursday. You're going to be with me on Thursday as well. So we got a little streak yeah, going absolutely. here. All mm. right. Canucks and the Wild, another Western Conference matchup. This one obviously wasn't as a team from the East comes through Vancouver. New Jersey defeats Vancouver by a score of 6-5. to five. For Irf, it's Jeff. Well, that's going to do it for Rinkwide Vancouver, brought to you by Betway.